Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Coming to you from Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio and on demand on your favorite podcast directories. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Or shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, we're going to get to the uh, the daily motley, the parade of lunacy that is uh, American politics in this day and age. But I want to start uh, by gaining a little perspective. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in um, in the hype in the media. I'm guilty of it as as uh, as the rest of the media. But uh, you know, we we tend to focus on the wrong things, and <clears throat> it's uh, it's you know leading to the the continued degradation of this nation. <clears throat> Yesterday was the 75th anniversary of VJ Day. I failed to mention it, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, the uh, World War II was the most massive mobilization of America's military in history, the most deadly war in human history. I think that's right. Uh, the World War II and its aftermath. And, uh, and I let it slip without a mention. President Trump went to Wilmington, um, to his great credit, and honored the uh, surviving uh, number of World War II veterans that are dwindling in number daily, standing in front of the USS North Carolina battleship uh, from World War II that's been made into a museum. He he had addressed the nation. He did a good job, but I, I'm not going to play clips from Trump's speech. Uh, I'm going to instead play comments from our uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, who who uh, uh, honored the day and uh, really put it all into perspective. On behalf of the 2.3 million soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen, I want to say thank you to all World War II veterans, living legends of the greatest generation, and their families watching online across the nation and around the world. Patriots like you fought the bloodiest war in human history and your generation, the greatest generation, that took up arms against tyranny in the Second World War, fought for something. You fought to achieve a better peace. From the ashes of destruction, death, 
and bloodshed of that war, you established a rules-based global order rooted in political and economic liberty that has maintained great power peace for over seven decades. My father and mother both were part of that generation. My father was with the 4th Marine Division and made the assault landings at Kwajalein, Saipan, Tinian, and Iwo Jima, while my mother served at a Navy hospital in Seattle, taking care of the wounded coming back from the Pacific battles. Although both have passed on, I carry their example of integrity and selfless service as daily inspiration. While my parents served in the Pacific theater, the Second World War was truly a global conflict. Many others fought across the Atlantic, in North Africa, in Italy, at Normandy, and on the Eastern Front. In fact, in June 1944, as my father hit the beach at Saipan with the Fighting Fourth, his brother was at Normandy on the other side of the world, on the way to liberate Paris from Nazi control. It's an incredible tale of one family's service, and it helps illustrate the scope and scale of the conflict our nation was then fighting and the sacrifice of every American family during World War II. I often reflect on my parents' service to this nation and the lessons I take from their example have shaped my view on America's role and place in the world. My parents instilled in me a sense of service and an understanding of how lucky I am to be an American, how lucky I was to grow up in a country where we have freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, and all the other rights and privileges that we as Americans enjoy in our daily lives. Today, those with firsthand knowledge of World War II are becoming fewer and fewer. And so we must never forget, never forget the horrific cost of the great power war and the sacrifices that went before us. Last year, I had the opportunity to go to the 75th anniversary of the Normandy landings. I was talking to several of the veterans there and asked one of them simply, what is your lesson from World War II? What is your great lesson here for those of us in uniform today? He looked up at me and tears came to his eyes and he simply said, General, never let it happen again. Never let it happen again. As the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, on behalf of all those wearing the cloth of our nation, we extend our sincerest thanks to our World War II veterans for passing on to us the gift of freedom, and we renew our commitment to preserving the peace you established and to protect the Constitution and the values you fought so hard to defend. Well, that was a great address, and uh, he made some good points, but, you know, my job here is to uh, to make comment, and uh, with regard to his his uh, discussion with the the uh, oh, 75th anniversary World War II vet at Normandy, never let it happen again. I would just say that um, World War II and World War I were both a result of these interlocking alliances that said that uh, if one nation went to war, that they would all go to war, which uh, allowed, you know, a uh, in the case of World War I, and I would argue that World War II was a continuation of World War I, um, the the assassination of um, the Archduke of Archduke Ferdinand of Serbia was it to uh, to uh, cause a conflagration uh, that escalated into a world war one 
and uh, and then in World War II, uh, you know, all the promises, uh, the war promises that were given Poland ended up dragging all of Europe and ultimately the United States into it when uh, these things could have been uh, contained, I guess is the right word. Um, so I'm not so sure that this, uh, this new world order that Admiral, uh, uh, General Milley cites right there is necessarily the best way to, uh, to reduce these wars unless you want American forces, uh, you know, guaranteeing, uh, everybody's safety. And that's still the regime we're on today. Another big story that has gotten almost no attention, uh, because they've been pushed off the papers by these uh, these riots and violence uh, in Democrat cities across the nation is the uh, the hurricane disaster in Louisiana. Lake Charles has uh, has just been devastated. Other smaller cities surrounding Lake Charles uh, uh, in uh, southwestern Louisiana and over into Texas as well have just been devastated. Uh, been given very little notice. While big corporations are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into Black Lives Matter, the Red Cross is uh, is struggling to meet the demand of relief efforts in in uh, Louisiana. And I just urge you to uh, to go on over to the Red Cross today and make a donation and uh, and support these people that are in a very dire circumstance. This is a uh, a report now from CBS uh, this morning. Well, good morning. Hurricane Laura destroyed this building. And the only reason that you're able to see it is because we're using generators to use our lights to light it up because all of the power in Lake Charles and Calcasieu Parish is out. And despite an army of line crews working nonstop, we're seeing some pass by right now, it could take weeks, possibly even months before power is restored after Hurricane Laura. For southwestern Louisiana, removing downed trees and debris is just the beginning of the cleanup. Hurricane Laura's 150 mile per hour winds knocked down thousands of utility poles. People here are now facing 90 degree temperatures and high humidity with no electricity or running water. It's terrible. It's catastrophic. Nick Hunter is the mayor of Lake Charles. Have you heard any estimates of when you're going to get power back? Weeks. 100% 100% of the cities without power right now, I would say definitely over a month in, in many parts of Lake Charles. Over the weekend, President Trump toured some of the damage. The storm made roads impassable and ripped roofs off buildings, leaving some people scrambling to put up tarps as scattered showers moved in. In many cases, homes were wiped out. There's a lot of our citizens that are absolutely homeless. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a dramatic sense or some type of trumped up adjective. They need places to stay. And preferably, right now, those places need to be outside of Lake Charles. They're talking about uh, 33,000 homes that have been rendered uninhabitable as a result of this storm. So go on over to Red Cross and, and chip in today and uh, do your part to help out. Focus and say a prayer for uh, for the citizens of Louisiana. Also, while the media has been focusing on bullshit, um, we, we've had a, a resurrection, a, a renaissance in our space program that should be used to inspire generations to uh, achieve, you know, uh, higher lofty goals, literally higher lofty goals. 
what's going on in our space program, and I've got a front row seat to it down here on Florida's Treasure Coast. We're just south of the Space Coast, and uh, whenever they have one of these big rocket launches, they had one on on Saturday evening, Uh, we always go out to the beach and watch it, and and, uh, seeing these booster rockets return autonomously to the uh, launch pad and land to be reused is is unbelievable. It's like something that you would see uh, on a science fiction movie. It literally looks like a, a computer-generated special effect. And this president has put together the Space Force, uh, which should inspire a whole generation of young people to get involved in uh, in exploring and and uh, colonizing our new frontier. He has promised to return to the moon, and I never was able to understand why we haven't returned to the moon. Why haven't we established bases on the moon? It certainly would be easier to to launch space exploration uh, from the moon with reusable uh, rockets uh, because of the you know uh, much reduced atmosphere. So many things that we're being distracted of that could unite this country, that could inspire this country, are being totally ignored because uh, uh, one of our major political parties is throwing an absolute temper tantrum in our cities. We're going to run out to a break, and then when we come back, we'll catch up on the, that lunatic parade right after these messages. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Joe Biden yesterday emerged from his hidey hole and uh, and gave um, the first full press conference in many months. I think it's uh, three or four months. And you could see uh, pretty clearly why they have kept him locked down and hidden and uh, why they are likely to return to that strategy after yesterday. Ahead of your trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin tomorrow, uh, last week your running mate, Senator Harris, said that uh, the officer who shot Jacob Blake, based on what she has seen, should be charged. Do you agree with her, and do you also believe the same for the officers who were involved in the death of Breonna Taylor? I think we should let the, uh, the judicial system work its way. I do think there's a minimum need to be charged the off okay we should let the judicial system work its way but yes i think he should be charged the judicial system work its way i do think there's a minimum need to be charged the officers and as well, well as brianna taylor and uh i might add by the way i think what happened in uh uh in uh, portland where a one of the Trump guys riding along in vans inciting responses, shooting rubber bullets, I guess, or paintballs. They were firing paintballs to keep their 
uh, their trucks and themselves from being assaulted by, by these, uh, these violent left-wing anarchists in Portland that have been doing this for going on four months now. Apparently there was someone shot by someone in the crowd with a bullet killed. I think that person should meet the legal requirements and whatever that calls for. Should meet the legal requirements. Ooh, strong statement from Joe Biden right there. With a bullet killed. I think that person should meet the legal requirements and whatever that calls for. He can't bring himself to say that a guy that's on video assassinating someone, shooting them in the chest, should be charged after he had previously said that police officers that were trying to effect an arrest against a violent felon with warrants out for him who resisted arrest and pulled a knife, they should be charged. <laughs> this guy's mental uh, processes are degraded badly. People forget, though, you know, this is not new for Joe Biden. Joe Biden has had uh, a, a unique, amazing capacity for always saying dumbass things and the exact wrong uh, statement. This is uh, when Biden was kicking off his his speech. Now, I have to give him credit. This is the first one of these pressers that I have seen that he has not actually been reading his answers off a teleprompter. So if he's got his answers ready, you know that the questions were screened. And once again yesterday, the... Um, uh, the Biden campaign left it to the staff to call on their selected questioners. And stop your boast about. <laughs> the first part of this clip is uh, Biden mumbling and stumbling before he uh, gets to that part. And stop your boast about never being seemed at what you, you, you can do anything. You're, you, you always talk about your ability to negotiate. Negotiate a deal. A deal for somebody other than yourself. A deal for somebody other than yourself. It's amazing. This guy doesn't even take a salary. His uh, his real estate and uh, resort enterprise has, has taken a huge hit because he got up off the sideline and tried to save America. But the Democrats' talking point is that he is benefiting from from his office. This is Joe Biden in Washington for 47 years, making most of that time between a hundred and hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, living in a huge palatial mansion in Delaware. Somebody other than yourself. Now I'm happy to uh, take questions you may have. I guess staff's going to call on whoever. Follow fire away. Low energy. Oh, my God. So the staff is going to call on these pre-screened questions. He's not just taking questions at random. You know, Trump stands up there and takes questions from idiots like April White and Yamich Alcindor and, uh, and Jim Acosta. They were having none of that yesterday, except for on the very last question, Biden did go and, uh, and call on uh, 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 Fox news reporter, Jake Gibson. No, it wasn't Jake Gibson. It was, uh, it was that other <laughs> nepotism, uh, reporter from Fox news. And, uh, he asked him, you know, uh, you claimed that you were telling Trump what to do, uh, from the beginning of this pandemic. 
uh, what proof do you have of that? And, you know, he, he didn't have an answer and quickly went on some long, rambling, disjointed non-answer. At one point, um, one of the reporters did ask him about his, uh, his previous position that he had taken, that uh, if he were president, he would mandate everybody wear a mask. I am going to insist, and I insist now without any authority, that every responsible person in this country, when they're out in public or not with a cohort that they have lived with because they know they haven't spread it to your husband, wife, etc., that they wear a mask, that they wear a mask and keep socially distanced. You can take a mask off when you're 12, 15 feet away, but I would follow, I would... Really, really. So this is the party that keeps telling us that uh, Donald Trump is an authoritarian, a, a would-be dictator who who may uh, he's a he's a literal fascist. And now you got the the Democrats' presidential candidate saying that oh yeah uh, we're going to make you wear a mask. And this is the kind of rhetoric, of course, that has led to you know these these fights in grocery stores and uh, in conflict. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine. If you believe a mask works, why do I have to wear a mask too? I do wear a mask just just because, uh, not that I believe it works. I've, I've got placebo on the front of my mask. But if it gives these uh, elderly people any, any comfort because of all this hysteria that's been whipped up, I'm, you know, I'm not going to uh, frighten them or, or, or cause anxiety further really make the case. And by the way, when I find these folks talking about my freedom, I talk about patriotism. Why do you wear a mask? To protect your neighbor. If patriotism is compulsory, then it's not really patriotism. That's the the, uh, Marxist uh, version of patriotism. The state tells you what to do and you comply out of patriotism. And if you don't comply out of patriotism, they'll throw your ass in jail, send you off to a re-education camp or a work camp. So Biden is headed out today to Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's, uh, he's following Trump around the country now trying to be reactive. He, he ha- hoped that Trump's visit to Kenosha would be, uh, you know, would backfire on him. It didn't. And so now Biden is running to Kenosha. The problem is he's set to meet with, uh, Jacob Blake's father, the Jacob Blake, the, uh, the felon that was uh, shot while resisting arrest. And this is just another long line of the Democrats having a really, uh, ugly habit of choosing martyrs from criminals and, and racists. Trayvon Martin that was their cause celeb. He was a, a, a wannabe gangbanger that attacked a neighborhood watchman. Michael Brown in Ferguson was a, a strong arm robber who attacked a police officer and tried to take his gun. And now they've settled on George Floyd, an ex felon, a uh, felon with a violent pass who died of a drug overdose. We're going to have to save uh, uh, an exploration on Jacob Blake's father, who's named Jacob Blake Sr., who Joe Biden is set to meet with. But I'll just give you a tease. This guy is uh, a poster boy 
for black nationalist racism. A Louis Farrakhan adherent, a deeply racist and anti-Semitic person who's all over social media saying exactly who he is. And Joe Biden is going to meet with him today if they don't get a clue from social media and uh, do an about-face on that. When we come back from these messages, we're going to be joined by a guest to talk about the so-called bail reform movement that has infected our courts. Right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, across this country, we've seen a breakdown in law and order as district attorneys with a leftist agenda refuse to charge rioters, looters, and arsonists and turn them back into the riots as fast as police can arrest them. Couple this with a so-called bail reform movement that requires judges to release suspects that are charged, and you have a witch's brew of rising crime and chaos in America's cities. Recently, the National Conference of Chief Justices has weighed in in support of a so-called risk assessment algorithm that would remove discretion from judges and keep danger to keep dangerous criminals off the streets to discuss this. Now we're joined by Jeffrey Clayton. He's executive director of the American bail coalition, a trade group dedicated to defending the right to bail. You can find them online at ambailcoalition.org or on Twitter at ambailcoalition. Jeffrey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. So it seems like uh, all of these criminal justice reforms that we've seen, turning uh, turning people out of jail before they've completed their sentences, uh, uh, releasing them without bail, uh, and and refusing these uh, these Soros funded DAs refusing to charge them with um, obvious crimes, has has really uh, caused a spike in lawlessness in America's cities. Tell us, uh, tell the listeners what these uh, this conference of chief justices is up to. Well, they want to create a bail algorithm called a risk assessment algorithm that's going to presume release in pretty much all cases uh, and is going to never recommend that a defendant have to post bail. Uh, And none of these risk assessment algorithms do. Uh, Most of them are calibrated to favor release of uh, what we would consider dangerous defendants uh, based on their scoring system. Uh, And really, it's going to take away discretion from judges in individual cases uh, and force uh, the release of more um, what we would consider dangerous criminals. 
You know, I was a private investigator for about 20 years, and I've, I've testified in a lot of court cases. And the judges that I testified in front of seemed like that they would be very unlikely uh, to relinquish uh, the discretion of, to make rulings from the bench. Why is this group of chief justices weighing in to do just that? Well, they thought this was a more fair system. They think it's a more fair system, uh, but it's not. And the reality is that the judge that's closest to the case is going to make the right decision. And these are appellate justices that are presiding over huge court systems. And unfortunately, I would argue dabbling too much into politics. Why would a algorithm be less effective at determining who should be kept and who should be released than uh, a judge's evaluation? Well, what we've discovered is that these algorithms are not very accurate. The one in Colorado is only 58%. The best algorithm only predicts accurately 72% uh, of the time. And what we've discovered is that even though it drives releases for many dangerous offenders, uh, the ones that keeps in jail, and uh, unfortunately, are minority defendants. So it it, it has a double-edged sword where it actually releases more dangerous criminals but also has a uh, negative racial component to it as well. So in the interest of um, criminal justice reform, they're actually headed down a road that will result in more inequities in the court system? Yes, and what one uh, leading uh, professor from the University of Pennsylvania has said is that essentially they've baked bias into the system by using this, and there's no way really to get it out until we stop. Who writes this algorithm, and uh, what agenda do they have? Well, uh, the largest one in the nation is uh, the Arnold Foundation, uh, John Arnold, the former Enron billionaire, who's also donated $1.5 million to a campaign in California to force the statewide use of these risk assessment algorithms. And certainly there's a lot of Soros money uh, in the various groups as well. Can you cite any examples of where this algorithm system has, has failed to protect public safety? Yeah, I mean, I think the largest study was the one in Kentucky that found that not only did it not decrease the jail populations, it actually increased crimes while on bail and increased those to appear in court. And so it had a negative public safety impact. Uh, and in addition to all the wasted money that we spend and staff time to actually administer the thing, uh, it produced actually negative results. So this sounds like the worst of both worlds. It's keeping people uh, in jail that wouldn't necessarily need to be kept in jail, and it's releasing people. Uh, who uh, are high risk to the community. Is that a correct um, assessment? Yeah, I think so. And it just builds in, you know, assumptions we have about the criminal justice system rather than letting judges look at the criminal behavior in the past of each uh, defendant and make a decision. And, you know, and also to take out, you know, the incentives of bail and private bail and all that sort of thing. And, you know, bail recovery agents and all that to take all that out of the systems also uh, weakens accountability. Well, that's a, that's an interesting aspect. If if there's not a, a bondsman standing behind uh, the recovery of this bail bond, then uh, and, and these people are released uh, from jail with no cash bail, who's going to be responsible for going out and rearresting these people if they don't show up for their court date? Well, be the police if they rearrest them, or they really just wait until they commit uh, a new crime. And the other thing is, even when a bail agent is not involved. A third party is usually posting cash and they're on the hook. So even if I posted your bail, even if I didn't use a bail agent, I'm still going to want you to get to court uh, because I don't want to forfeit the money. And not only that, you're going to be in contact with the police to let uh, let them know where they can uh, recover their defendant, I would imagine. Exactly. In my case, I'm probably a co-conspirator, so I don't want to get arrested myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. 
So um, we have seen this bail reform movement uh, spread like wildfire, especially in these blue states in California, uh, Washington, Oregon, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Uh, Have we seen a corresponding increase in crime? Absolutely, we have. I think we're having a little bit of trouble with the connection here. Jeffrey, can you still hear me? I can answer that uh, question again. If yeah, you would. So, yeah, I think I think uh, the example of New York is is the one the police commissioner said that bail reform is increasing crime. And I think, you know, just for your average listener, the idea that a uh, deputy chief of police could be uh, clashing with rioters. He takes a punch to the face and is bleeding uh, and his pictures on every major national newspaper. Uh, and the person who threw the punch gets out on a zero bail signature bond. Well, you know, not I think a, that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, that's a. That's an outrageous uh, crime, and uh, for sure. But we've seen uh, murders and uh, and rapes and uh, violent uh, assaults result uh, from people that have uh, been released without any cash bail. Especially, I've taken note in Washington, where one of the uh, rioters that had been arrested with a handgun at uh, at one of these events was released without bail and uh, ended up uh, stabbing to death two people. So um, is, is this whole effort designed by the chief justices in order to try to relieve them from responsibility? We know that in a lot of states, uh, uh, judges are elected officials. And, uh, you know, whenever they're challenged, their uh, their op- opponents usually cite instances where these justices have released people back onto the streets with dire results. Is this an effort by the, the judges to try to uh, shirk their responsibility to make their their own determinations? I think so. I mean, it it just allows uh, judges to pass the buck and not own the decision. And a judge I used to work for said it's a security blanket and it it helps you avoid, you know, the actual decision and and owning it, unfortunately. And you can always say it's somebody else's fault. It's the system's fault. Uh, And so I think that's a bad, that's a bad move for that reason. Blame it on the algorithm. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's the algorithm's fault. It's the algorithm's fault. So where do we stand on this bail reform movement, is this going to be something that uh, continues to spread and infect the the justice system? Is it limited to mostly Democrat-run jurisdictions, or is this something that is uh, is getting entrenched and is going to uh, lead to increased crime nationwide? It's getting entrenched, and I think you know even in conservative what we would consider conservative states like Missouri and Iowa and others have had bail reforms coming and going. So, I think it's going to be a continuing conversation. I think you know. Particularly if um, you know Biden is elected president, he is committed to ending cash bail and ending bail entirely and going to this new uh, New York style system. So you know the election is going to depend on it and what happens after. I think we're going to see another push for bail reform. Is this algorithm going to be applied to crimes across the board or just low level crimes or, or uh, people that uh, pass through this algorithm screening who have? been charged with murder or uh, or other serious crimes going to be uh, is this algorithm going to judge them as well yes uh and that's you know the goal is to have everybody assessed uh, by one of these algorithms <laughs> i mean one of the obvious glaring uh examples you could imagine is these uh, very wealthy offenders who have uh committed financial frauds or or murder or in the case of jeffrey epstein uh, you know, a, a, a sex trafficking ring, they would probably look pretty good to that algorithm. They've got good credit. They've got stable 
um, addresses. They, uh, you know, uh, before they came to the attention of the criminal justice system, they would have been considered model credit or model citizens. Right. Low risk signature bond, I think. And, you know, there's been hilarious examples of, I believe Ted Bundy was low risk and, you know, you can kind of just, you know, get, get to the extreme on this. And it, at a certain point, it just doesn't make any sense. Ted Bundy would have been judged fa- uh, favorably by this algorithm. That's right. Unbelievable. So where is your group in, uh, in fighting this effort? Uh, uh, is, uh, is there anything the listeners can do to, uh, to weigh in on this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you need to, need to see where your candidates are, are on bail reform and understand what it's going to mean for your community and then go to our website and learn all about it, ambailcoalition.org. So what should they be supporting with regard to bail reform? I mean, uh, this, this seems like a fairly complicated issue for the average voter to, to try to wade through. What should the bullet point be uh, as far as, uh, you know, a candidate's position on bail reform? Well, I think they should be with uh, where the president's position is, which is be against the uh, Biden end cash bail movement and for, uh, you know, judges in criminal cases as they see appropriate. Gotcha. Jeffrey J. Clayton, he's the executive director of the American Bail Coalition. They're defending your right to bail, and you can find them online at ambailcoalition.org. That's ambailcoalition.org. Or you can find him on Twitter at Ambell Coalition. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Seeing my family for the holidays is my most important tradition. So when my kids said they didn't feel comfortable visiting because of COVID-19, I didn't take it that well at first. But you know what? It's okay. I know it's because they care, and I don't want anyone to get sick either. This holiday season isn't what I had in mind, but we're finding ways to spend time together, like decorating cookies on video chat. Find more ideas for the holidays at coronavirus.wa.gov gatherings. So if you want to see a towering example of uh, jo- Joseph Goebbels' uh, strategy of the big lie, you need to you need to pick up the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post and look at how they are treating this this uh, murder that took place on the streets of Portland last Saturday where a Antifa Black Lives Matter um criminal uh, assassinated uh, a man on the streets for, for the crime of wearing a Patriot Prayer uh, ball cap. According to the New York Times and the Washington Post, and now Joe Biden as well, uh, the victim of that crime, Jay Danielson, brought that cli- crime on himself because he had the nerve to drive on the streets of Portland waving an American flag. That, according to Biden, the Times and the Washington Post, was uh, incitement and provocation. And if you read the article in the New York Times, you will see that they have basically declared the city of Portland as a uh, uh, an Antifa-held um, ground that uh, people who disagree with them are not allowed to express their First Amendment rights to their own opinions. It's really... Uh, quite amazing, uh, the, the, the articles in both the Times and the Post. Uh, they basically spend about 2,000 words 
apologizing for Antifa, ignoring entirely the violent uh, riots and lootings that have gone on in, uh, in Portland, and instead focusing on the fact that the Patriot Prayer Movement, led by Joey Gibson, has the nerve to demand that they be able to exercise their First Amendment in uh, that leftist-controlled city. The uh, Portland Police Union president uh, has, uh, has come out overnight and said that the, the root cause of the, the breakdown in law and order in Portland is because of the elected officials in that, um, I guess you would call it a God-forsaken city. Uh, well, first and foremost, we need support of our elected officials, our city council, and our mayor, and not just to say stop the violence, but to condemn the violence. They have not unilaterally can come together and condemn the violence. Um, they need to support the police bureau. They need to support Chuck Lavelle, the new police chief, who stepped into this job uh, uh, knowing uh, what he was stepping into. However, the, the gravity of it probably is more than what he thought it was going to be. Um, as soon as he stepped into the job, the city council immediately defunded the police bureau, $15 million, uh, took 85 sworn uh, police officer positions away, uh, got rid of our gun violence reduction team, which was one of the most successful in the nation and a, and a model for other uh, police agencies in the nation um, when we, when we, when we, uh, when we uh, disbanded them. So uh, we need the support of our elected officials. We need to have a zero tolerance uh, stance on the violence, not only in the protest, but violence in the city. Uh, in the month of July and August, we have had a record number of, of uh, shootings and homicides uh, connected to those shootings. Well, I think, I mean, what the, uh, the union president says there, Daryl Turner, uh, is absolutely correct. But if he's uh, waiting around for the, the politicians to lead on this issue in, in Washington state or Oregon, uh, he's going to be waiting a long time because despite the fact that the Antifa black lives matter rioters have attacked Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler right there in his own condominium to the point where he is having to move. He, uh, he is still, uh, solidly behind the movement. You could say that he is in fact an Antifa operative right there in the mayor's office. But even he is not uh, is not radical enough to satisfy the rabble in the streets, and and this attack on these far leftist mayors is is not exclusive to Ted Wheeler. You'll recall that uh, after the um, uh, the chop, the Chaz rose up in downtown Seattle, the uh, the mayor there, Jenny Durkin, said that oh we're going to have a, a a summer of love until several homicides took place within uh, that chop beyond the reach of Seattle Police Department. And then the, uh, the rioters showed up at Jenny Durkin's house, at which point she decided, well, this, this has got to stop. We can't have this. You can't be coming to my house. The same thing happened in Oakland. They, uh, they went to that mayor's house and, um, defaced it and spread graffiti over it. just the other night. I guess it was last night. Uh, they went to the home of, uh, the DC mayor whose name slips my, uh, my lips right now. Um, and, uh, and demanded her resignation. Of course, in Chicago, mayor Lori Lightfoot 
uh, decided, well, you know, all, all of these ongoing demonstrations, they like to call them peaceful protests that result in violence, looting and, and arsons are just fine until they decided to show up outside of Lori Lightfoot's home. At which point she decided, well, you're not allowed to do that on my street. It's amazing. But this New York Times and Washington Post coverage, I mean, they live in a completely alternate universe where the the victim is uh, the, the villain and the murderer is responding to incitement. Let me see if I can find this clip of Joe Biden at his press conference yesterday blaming the victim. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Uh, two quick questions for you, if I may. Uh, first, ahead of your trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin tomorrow, uh, last week your running mate, Senator Harris, said that uh, the officer who shot Jacob Blake, based on what she has seen, should be charged. Do you agree with her, and do you also believe the same for the officers who were involved in the death of Breonna Taylor? I th- that is the wrong clip. Let me see if I can skip forward just a little bit. In uh, Portland, where a one of the... Trump guys riding along in vans inciting responses was shooting. He was inciting response at the time he was murdered. Jay Danielson was walking along the street, minding his own business. And there's every reason to believe now that this wasn't a, a crime of passion. This, uh, according to new analysis of the video, appears to be a, a coordinated assassination with multiple uh, participants. You see right before uh, the shots are fired that uh, a couple of uh, vehicles, black vehicles, one a Jeep and one a a Dodge Charger, I guess it is, uh, are lurking nearby. And as soon as the shots are fired, they speed to the scene and out jumps a bunch of Antifas um, taking charge of the scene. One of them is seen picking up and disposing of the spent rounds uh, after the gunmen fled. And, uh, and they immediately jump out with their cameras to document the event. And, uh, and they have a, uh, a so-called uh, medic team uh, try to render aid. Um, and, of course, they start setting their narrative immediately that this guy had it coming. And, uh, and of course, that's the same line that, um, that they, uh, they pursued and is now being reflected in the, uh, the major media. So, you know, one thing I've thought is a real head scratcher is in almost every one of these events that the left tr- tries to champion as examples of police brutality, the, uh, the martyr in the event is, uh, is a, a stone cold criminal. Michael Brown in Ferguson had just prior Two attacking officer Darren Wilson committed a strong arm robbery. George Floyd, who has become nothing short of a deity among the left. I mean, literally they, they are worshiping and they've got professional athletes bowing to this movement based on the, the killing of George Floyd. He was a violent felon who had uh, a career felon who had, uh, had fatal doses of fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system. And now Joe Biden is going to travel to Kenosha, to Kenosha, Wisconsin, to meet the father of Jacob Blake, 
another career criminal wanted for um, child sexual abuse that resisted arrest and reached for a weapon. Joe Biden's going to go up there and meet with his father, Jacob Blake Sr. And this guy who raised such a violent son has has uh, quite a, a history on social media. You can go on there and see examples of, uh, and this this research was done by a, a group called the Reagan Battalion. Got to subscribe to them, and uh, and they show a long history from Jacob Blake Senior. He says he is one hundred percent with Farrakhan. Well, if you're one hundred percent with Farrakhan, you are a black nationalist and deeply racist individual. His his other posts include telling you that uh, uh, the Jews. Um, control the media and tell you what they want you to hear would be totally, uh, if, if a Trump supporter has said anything like that, or uh, Trump had met with anybody that uh, had a history of saying things like that, the media would melt down. They would lose their minds. He also seems to be an adherent to this, um, uh, black Hebrew ideology, he believes that uh, blacks were the first Jews, and he uh, he he minimizes uh, Hitler's uh, reign by comparing it to uh, a man named uh, King Leopold, who he says uh, you know committed much larger uh, genocides than Hitler, and uh, the Jews are suppressing that. So a lot of people were uh, saying, "Well, why didn't?" Donald Trump meet with the Blake family. I think we've got a pretty good idea of why that didn't happen now because uh, whether Trump's, you know, got a better uh, advanced team or whether or not his instincts are just better. He, uh, he knew better uh, than to meet with uh, Jacob Blake senior, but now Joe has has put himself into quite a bind. He's got to decide whether to go ahead with this meeting and, uh, and make Jewish people mad or whether to call it off and make the radical blacks mad. He's going to have to decide which of the two of his, uh, his critical voters he is going to offend. So let's get to the hairdo kerfuffle. <laughs> oh man. I got to tell you, uh, that was delicious. Uh, can't, uh, catching Nancy Pelosi in a hair salon, not wearing a mask and basically being a towering hypocrite. We know she is a towering hypocrite and that she's deeply dishonest and and uh, doesn't believe any of this hype that the Democrats are sowing around the the uh, coronavirus hysteria. So, uh, of course, she was captured on video in a San Francisco hair salon that was closed to the public because of their their lockdowns. She claims that uh, she didn't know. She didn't know that she wasn't allowed in that salon. So the lawmaker claims ignorance of the law, and that is supposed to be her excuse. What I want to know is why isn't the mayor of San Francisco citing her for breaking uh, this, this rule? Here is a clip of Nancy Pelosi saying, well, it wasn't her fault. It was all a setup. This is one of the favorite claims uh, from Democrat politicians, actually Republican politicians as well. I take responsibility for trusting 
uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it wasn't set up. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that. It's their fault, and I take responsibility for them fooling me. That's what she's trying to, to say. Of course, that's not taking responsibility at all. She knows what the hair salon rules are in San Francisco. If she didn't know, she should have known. As I said, ignorance of the law is no excuse, and she's the one that makes the laws. But then she really t- uh, twisted in the screws. Not only was she set up, she says, but it's her. It's the hair salon that owes her an apology. Leaders take responsibility. So I said he's a weak leader. He doesn't take responsibility. He places blames, blame on others. I th- that was before that she was caught. This is after. Blame on others. I think that they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology for setting up. It was a setup. It was a setup. They owe me a, uh, an apology. Well, we don't have much time left, but I do want to mention that uh, the the ratings for the NBA playoffs continue to crater. They've lost almost half of their audience. Now, this is a time when a lot of people are out of work or at home, and they should have plenty of time to be watching. Uh, the NBA, I, I stopped watching over a decade ago, but and their audience has been declining, but now they have lost half of their audience from last year's NBA playoffs. And the NFL is not far behind. They're, uh, they're preparing to open their season with uh, the playing of the Black National Anthem. And they're gonna they they're gonna rub their remaining fans' nose in this uh, this Black Lives Matter religion for the rest of the season. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you again for joining us, and I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow, right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is. What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.